If you're building a true digital twin, you want the fidelity of that twin to be as close to the fidelity of the real world as possible. That's the whole notion of twinning. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Bowster Geospatial Productions in conjunction with our affiliates, Esri Australia, Esri Singapore, Esri Malaysia and Esri Indonesia. To get your hands on more short, sharp and immediately usable resources, head to the GIS Directions podcast website and check out the show notes. Welcome to GIS Directions. I'm Wangli Archer. I'm Tatanika. And I'm Mary Murphy. Welcome back, everyone, for the third of our three-part series on digital twins. We've dived into the topic over the last two episodes and we've discovered it's quite a complex discussion. So let's do a quick recap of where we're at. We've covered the first two pillars that enable a digital twin. So that's data capture and integration and real time and visualization. I know those are the first two. We have two more to go. So I feel good that we've built some of it, but have we actually thought of everything? Typically, we're building a digital twin with that audience, our stakeholders in mind, and we want to engage them, right? We want to communicate with them. We want to show them some outcomes or products or results, etc. But we also might need to think at this stage about where and how we can get those results or those products. Where do they come from? And they come from the analytics, the analysis. So when we're building that digital twin, we should not only plan for how it will be shared, also how we should use it for analysis as part of that workflow. You're absolutely right, Mary. We can start to see the living digital twin in effect in action. And today we'll briefly touch on sharing and collaboration and analysis and predicting. And then we're going to dive into the technical how-to of building a digital twin. That's my favorite part. I cannot wait. But first of all, let's briefly touch on that sharing and collaborating and analyzing and predicting. It's a really important step and it really sets the foundation for our future preparedness for different scenarios. Yeah, and it's one of those pillars. If we're starting with that particular pillar, which is the one I love the most, shall we say, we're talking about that ability to be able to simulate, evaluate, and then potentially predict. That's usually when we're talking analytics, that's what we're going to do. But we can't do any of that. We can't analyze without the data. We can't analyze without the correct data, good data. We can't analyze without an understanding of the methods we might want to leverage or use. So if we start to build that digital twin without considering as an integral part of that construction process, our data and the methods we want to use or are going to use or techniques we're going to apply, then we may not actually be able to even leverage that digital twin as expected. So that's why I think it needs to be part of that construction conversation and processes. It always comes back to the audience and your purpose. So the analytical capabilities are going to differ according to those needs from one digital twin to another. So I suppose the next thing there is how do we consider analytics in that construction process? So we can use things like the spatial analysis workflow is a good place to start. Ask, explore, analyze, model, interpret, repeat, modify, present, and make decisions then ultimately. Another one that I always point people through, just think about those six basic types of analysis, right? So what have we? Proximity, overlay, that big bucket, the statistical ones, your temporal analysis, your network and utility things, and then your 3D. You're probably going to want to work with a combination of those things, and they're not going to happen by magic or by accident. 
Yeah, it's absolutely a combination of all those things. And there's lots of technical words there, Mary, and not, you know, lots of GIS. There are real-world ways that we're actually seeing this kind of thing already realised in very sort of simple and useful ways. I'll call out the product SmarterWorks, which is actually allowing you know multiple utility organisations and governments and, and council organisations to share and collaborate their information together to actually get some real action. You know, There are example cases where there might be a roads team who are going to come and pull up a road and then a paving team that are going to lay it down and then an electricity network that might be laying some more electricity assets within the system. And they're all doing that at different times. And what you find is you get these repetitions of tasks, the redo of tasks and, and inefficiencies in the system. Once people come together, once they collaborate and share, and once they actually then do their analysis both in time and space in a product like, you know, SmarterWorks, we can actually reduce those costs and reduce those inefficiencies. So, you know, we're seeing real world cases of these that wouldn't typically be counted as a digital twin, but they still rely on these same pillars of twinning. And that's a combination of the sharing and the analytics just overlapping so much that they're one and the same. Another one that I came across actually when I was having a look at some ways people are using digital twins, obviously sharing the digital twin, but obviously then sharing the results of their analysis is from Incheon, metropolitan city in South Korea. So they're using that for disease modeling and prediction. And I think they're aiming to use it for operating a flood prediction and monitoring system. Those things don't happen by accident. They had to think about the types of analysis they would like to conduct and build it as part of the process and then share it in whatever way they need to with the relevant people. Okay, I promised you guys some treats. We've got treats in our bags. Five key steps to building your digital twin from the proverbial and virtual ground up. The very first step, super important, get rich data. The richer the data, the better it is. And bring it into ArcGIS Pro, Ready Steady Pro. (laughs) I could not agree more. When we were talking before about the, the visualize and the other pillars, we didn't really focus on the data itself. If you're building a true digital twin, you want the fidelity of that twin to be as close to the fidelity of the real world as possible. That's the whole notion of twinning. You want real-time feeds where you can. You want overlays from all sorts of different organizations. You go to the bomb and get that weather data in there, traffic data. Bring in the high-fidelity data. Reach out to your partners. Reach out to people you haven't reached out to in the past. Bring that data in and get it into Pro because that's going to be your starting point for all of this. Right? That's where we're building the groundwork. So open a template or an existing project and add your data by connecting to your organization's database or publicly available data from Living Actress of the World or from ArcGIS Online. So we've got our data, we've got a rich set of data. And then step two, we are cartographers by nature and at heart. So visualize your data and make your data work for you. Select some really great symbols to represent your data. Set your reference scales for better context to your area of interest. Don't go overboard with that symbology, though, is is my real hot tip here. Yes, we want to get that high-fidelity data in there, but you've also got to remember that we are cartographers and we should be doing things in a visually smart way to represent information. Don't forget about things like zoom scales. Don't forget about turning things on and off where it's appropriate. Because I can tell you now, you are going to put a massive load on the rendering engine if you're going to try and render every single street light in your country when you're zoomed out at the country level. It makes no sense. It doesn't really provide that fidelity. It's just more blobs on the map. So be cartographers. Yeah, don't just put it there because you can and you have it. 
it becomes unusable. We don't want that. We want people to go, wow, we have all this data and we can use it and it's efficient and it's effective, right? Get smart about how we have symbols turn on and off where we need them to as we navigate in and around. Same with your labeling. So symbology, very important. And we can get things into Pro. We can get those old style files as well from ArcMap and import them into ArcGIS Pro. I'm on the same page as you there, Wayne. We definitely need to be smart about our cartography. This is really important for governing bodies like in public safety and emergency management and for accessibility. You know, Arctis Pro has some great new functionality around accessibility, for example, anyone who's colorblind. So yeah, bring in the right symbology for your audiences so that you can symbolize and make a really, really available map for everyone. But subsetting your data is a good one as well. So clipping it, using extract by mask, depending what you're doing. Data engineering workflows are excellent. So use the data engineering workflows within ArcGIS Pro, for example, to suit your analysis needs. And then even using those reference scales. So getting in there and doing that so that we're only showing what we need to show when we need to show it. Yeah, look, absolutely. I could not agree more with everything that you've said there, Mary. I can finally let the cat out of the bag. I've worked on the largest utility network project that has ever been undertaken in GIS so far, and that's for the Energy Queensland Corporation in Queensland here. We're talking about 195 million pit pipes, power lines and poles, try saying that fast, all managed in one GIS. And What I can tell you is smart visualization is absolutely the key. You don't want to try and render every power line pole in the state when you're zoomed out at the state level. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add any quality to the visualization and data. So just use your smart defaults, use your zoom and scale levels, use your areas of interest, clip extract by mask, all of the tools that you've just mentioned. They're absolutely essential. It comes back to that same thing with the real-time data. Do we need all the data all the time? We don't need all the features all the time. Okay, so step three is the most exciting part for me, enabling your 3D data with the quick touch of a button in ArcGIS Pro. A lot of capital works, building information models, utility data, Wayne, shout out, they all have a height or a depth value assigned, you know, so it's known as a Z value. So go ahead and enable it in ArcGIS Pro. Quick and easy to do this on the ribbon, click the view tab in the view group, click convert and choose to convert to a local scene. Then on the appearance tab in the extrusion group, click the type button and then choose maximum height and then view your masterpiece. You know, everything is extruded to the height of the data that you have. It sounds like four or five clicks, Tara. It can't be that easy. Absolutely. One, two, three, you're there. (laughs) Look, an added step, you can actually enable shade and shimmer on your 3D enabled data before you publish your scene to your web GIS. In scenes, illumination works by simulating sunlight and shading on the faces of your 3D features, such as your extruded polygons or your buildings. So quickly, to illuminate a scene, on the view tab again in the scene group this time, click the top portion of the illumination split button. And then, you know, you can use the split slider to change the time of day so you can see what the sun looks like, you know, at midday, at nine in the morning, at three in the afternoon. And for additional benefit, you can access all illumination settings from the map properties under the illumination tab. Then once you're good to go with all your shade and shimmer, publish your scene to your web GIS. Super important for digital twins because it all starts with the map. Now, in this case, we extend that to it all starts with the map and the scene. So we want to be building a great map and then we want to build a great scene out of that as well because we want the 2D and the 3D. That's really, you know, the key about this whole twinning thing. 
Step four. Okay, so we've got that scene in our organization's portal. So we want to be able to share this in some way, shape or form. Again, there's no point in doing all this amazing work if we're not going to tell someone about it. We want to tell someone about it in a way that's going to be useful for them. So we might want to use Experience Builder, some other applications like a dashboard, for example. So there's lots of ways that you can tackle this. But from within the actual scene that you've created, you could click that create app button and then you can choose from the options that you get there. Things like instant apps, experience builders, story maps. I did see as well as a 360 VR experience in there now. You just do that from within the scene or you can launch those apps individually as well from the app launcher in ArcGIS Online, for example. It really is about the shared scene and map, isn't it? Once we get it into our portal. Yeah, that's huge. I wanted to have a big shout out to uh, Experience Builder here, uh, first and foremost. Experience Builder lets you actually join those 2 and 3D views together, which is super important. You can have a map on one side, you can have a 3D scene being viewed on the other side. You move the map around and it moves that 3D scene as well. And so I think, you know, that's really cool and a great way to be actually be visualizing our digital twin. Especially now that we can do that in Pro, because we can now work with 2D and 3D in Pro, it's nice that that's actually carrying through to some of the things we can create and push beyond our desktop. Absolutely. That quick click of a button, remember, convert from a 2D map to a 3D scene, a local scene, and then, yeah, world's your oyster. All right, step five, guys, and this is my language here. I would encourage users to develop and gamify and enhance and collaborate. Digital twins provide a really excellent way to collaborate in two directions. Now, what I mean by two directions, this is not just collaborating out to the people that you want to share this with. This is actually collaborating inwards as well. You don't expect to have all of the data that you want. We talked about data fidelity back in some of the earlier steps. You can't expect to have all of that data yourself. And so what we're seeing with this whole motion towards digital twins is we're seeing new partnerships and new collaborations form. You're seeing roads and transport authorities sharing their data with Bureau of Met. We're seeing all of these different organizations that probably would never have crossed paths in the past coming together and actually cross-sharing their data. So don't forget that two-way collaboration and sharing. Don't forget the people who might be able to feed the data into your system. But of course, the next step is about sharing as well. And so how do we then take our twin, which is all based upon the map and the scene, how do we then go and turn that into something useful? Obviously, we share it on Portal. We share it up on uh, ArcGIS Enterprise. We can build some cool mini apps using Web App Builder or Experience Builder, which are great tools in there. I do have another hot tip for everyone, and these are the ArcGIS solution templates, the add-in for ArcGIS Pro. Now, this gets forgotten a lot. We'll throw a link to it in the show notes, but it's an add-in for ArcGIS Pro that actually allows you to take your data and spit out specific applications for your industry sector. So if you're in the construction industry, you can do things such as site inspection or site selection applications based upon your maps and your scene. You can do that kind of shadow cast analysis. So, you know, you're building a new construction in a new area. The little old lady down the street wants to know that her washing's going to dry because it's going to be, you know, within sunshine during the day and not shaded by this giant building that you're going to be putting there. So you can pump out those kind of applications right there in ArcGIS Pro. It's a wizard-based sort of approach. Ask you a couple of questions, you check a couple of boxes, fill in a bit of, of information, and it will spit out and publish into your portal 
these specific applications for your industry sector. So that's my big call out here is start using the tools that are there and the templates that are right there at your fingertips. ArcGIS Web App Builder, ArcGIS Experience Builder, got great templates built in. And then we can use those solution templates from the solution templates add-in as well. I love what you've just said there, Wayne, because we can use this rich information to start our predictive analysis. It provides this great foundation for us to then share and cross-collaborate with our key audience, whether it's within organization or peer-to-peer or just with the general community. I'm, I'm all about everyone, right? How can we all contribute back to the society that we live in right now? Okay, that's great, you guys. We've got five steps to digital twin success and future preparedness in different scenarios like population growth, infrastructure planning, and application of sustainability measures. Okay, so what's this tech stack for our five steps? Mary, I know that you're jumping up and down. (laughs) Wayne just, you know, he took the rug from under me there with some of the big ones. So well done you. (laughs) Obviously, we need to talk about the usual suspects, right? So ArcGIS Pro going to help you with all of those pillars. We've got data, we've got visualization, we've got analytics, and we've got sharing capabilities. So ticks all of the boxes there. We can work in our 2D and our 3D, which is great. And then when you're starting to think about your sharing and collaboration, we're looking at your portals, right? So ArcGIS Online, your enterprise portal, and then things like ArcGIS Image or ArcGIS Velocity and might help you with that. Don't forget Velocity for that real-time data ingestion from your sensors out in the field, okay? Right. The real-time data allows you to crunch those numbers. And then we have Portal for ArcGIS, obviously enough, your web app builder, experience builder. We also then have some little offshoot things that people don't think about that might help you with the analytics, especially side of things. So ArcGIS Insights is a good one. ArcGIS Knowledge, relatively new. ArcGIS Notebooks, if you want to jump into the world of scripting, etc., maybe do some machine learning and AI. Yeah, why not? So there's lots there for you to play with as well. And my personal favorite, and Wayne and I have worked on this quite a bit, machine learning and AI. Automate everything that you can when you can and let your machines and your tech work with you and for you as well. Rise of the machines. I am embracing our new machine overlords. That's it. Let's hear about some real-world success examples of digital twinning. I know, Mary and Ty, you've got some hidden away there that you've got as favorites. What do we got? Well, I already mentioned the Inchin one earlier on, again, around the disease modeling and prediction. Definitely worth going reading up about that. The Grenadian one is pretty good as well. So they've worked with, there's a whole heap of Grenadian officials worked with analysts from Esri to deploy. And I think it's artificial intelligence capabilities was the Ooh. main kind of starting point with that. So they were using deep learning models, for example, to identify buildings. So I think within one day, the analysts were able to extract 55,000 built structures. Oh, wow. Right. And there's lots to that as well. Again, same thing. We'll pop some links in and some great videos talking about the building of it and the context and so on as well. Really interesting. It's really, really good. It's definitely worth looking up and seeing what they've done, how they've done it and why they did it. So you can see the thought that went into the building of the process as well, which is, again, I'm a complete nerd about that. So I like seeing people plan. The other one is Pompeii. So a site, I think it's I-14 is the name of the site, and they're using a digital twin for data collection, monitoring, progress, sharing, exploratory analysis. And there's a couple of great quotes in one of the articles that will pop in the show notes as well around the benefits of efficiency and accuracy that they wrote. So having all the documentation, including those photos and drawings available quickly in scaled 3D models and in an ArcGIS online web scene has enabled their researchers to disseminate their project findings with everyone from students and GIS lay users to project stakeholders and the public. I mean, that just sums it up. So there are two that I have found on top of the one from South Korea. What about yourself, Ta? 
I just have one really good example that stood out for me, and it's over in the Northern Hemisphere. So Vodafone in the UK, they've created a 3D digital twin of their mobile mass network, enabling engineers to make instant decisions to improve services. So Vodafone mapped more than 40 million environmental features, including buildings and hills and valleys and trees, all using the ArcGIS Enterprise stack. So this enabled the spatial component to huge amounts of data, and it gives a 360-degree view virtually of the network on any device over a secure connection. I thought that was just wild, like 40 million. I I thought that was amazing. One final metric, get this, 500,000 network features, such as antennas, along with billions of rows of network performance data, can be visually presented, and this really results in untapped levels of location intelligence. Again, doesn't happen by accident, right? A lot of planning, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into that and that's good on them. So far, we've talked about, you know, those applications that you can come and build out of these digital twins. But there's also the little child in me that wants to put on the VR goggles and run around in a real world representation of stuff and shoot up giblets. So I'm going to throw out a tool here specifically for the dev heads, the propeller heads in the audience. We do have the ArcGIS for Unity game engine SDK out there. Once you've built your scenes, once you've built your maps, you can bring in your DEMs. You can actually use this tool to actually build real-world game engine-style environments that you can walk through and include in the Unity game app. Mary, I know you're the training queen. What can we recommend to people to uh, get started in twinning from start to finish? Well, as usual, I could go on forever, but let's look at analytics really quickly. So spatial analysis using ArcGIS Pro, the Snap course, or we could use the IMAP course, which is the image analysis using ArcGIS Pro. Good ones to start with if you've gone beyond something like the essential workflows. There's also a couple of MOOCs by Esri Inc., the Going Places with Spatial Analysis and the Spatial Data Science one. Amazing, free, get in there. And with the sharing and collaboration, we've got loads. We've got the sharing with enterprise, so the ESHA course. We've got a dashboard course. We've got a story map course. Depends how you want to share. And then just in general, learning of best practice for analyzing and using your digital twin for prediction, for example. So start to look at things like the spatial analysis workflow. Always a winner to help you figure out and learn what you need to learn to get the digital twin up and running. Alrighty, guys, look, I think we've shared some great information in this three-peat series on how to use data and tech to create a dynamic and living digital representation of our world, providing a means for two-way collaboration via a single source of truth that fosters and enables cross-organizational sharing and collaboration of data and gives citizens a voice to share what's happening around them, how it is like it is in real time. So I think that's about it, folks. We had a mountain of short, sharp, and immediately usable features that will help you to get twinning straight away. I'm sure the links in the show notes for this particular episode are going to be long and distinguished. And on that, to help you guys get started with these tips and tricks, we've added all the resources we've spoken about to our website. That's gisdirectionspodcast.com.au, including all the information you'll need to get you started with the four pillars of digital twins. We'd also love to hear any tips from you guys, the ArcGIS user community. So please jump onto the website and send them through or connect with us through LinkedIn or Twitter or any of the socials that we're on. And hopefully we can feature some of your tips as part of our resources and future episodes. Stay spatial, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Happy mapping. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Bowsted Geospatial Group of Companies.